And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a bombshell Tuesday. Gary, how are you? Yeah, I guess we won't have to say where's Durham anymore, will we? Well, we can we can ask it, but the answer is going to be he's gone fishing. Because apparently he's just about done. His report is out. Well, he's yeah. not done talking. <laughs> I'm sure he will be talking to members of Congress soon. At least the House. Now, yeah. uh, you have uh, Lindsey Graham telling, uh, telling Durbin he wants to hear from... Uh, from Durham. Yeah. I have a feeling with the FBI coming out and just saying, well, we've made all the changes. The FBI didn't come out and say Durham was wrong. Right. At all. No, they no. They said, no, we got to make these changes. I have a feeling the media will say, okay, yeah, okay, the FBI says they're going to straighten out everything and goodbye this Right, or, over. yeah, the whole, that was then, this is now, and, right. and they're going to make sure there's no more of that going on. Okay. Right. But the thing that, uh, the thing... The one thing that came out of this is now the American public, the truth is out there. Mm-hmm. And it's not being denied by anybody. Right. Right. You may yeah. hear, well, okay, well, uh, nobody was, uh, well, only one person was prosecuted and convicted. Mm. There were three people actually prosecuted. Yeah. Uh, right. One uh, one convicted. Uh, and so, but for the rest of them, no law was broken. Well, fine, then disinformation is fine because... No law is broken with disinformation. So right. shut up about that, Democrats. Right. right. No, and well, the whole the whole thing is with with. I don't want. I actually want them to shut up about it because the biggest this, this was again. This was the report that showed what we already knew that the entire uh, Russia collusion that Trump colluded with the Russians, all of it was Democratic disinformation, which was paid for and the lies created by the Hillary campaign and the DNC. So if one thing it gets out of this, this is where the Republicans look at the Democrats and say, you people need to shut up about disinformation because you're the biggest purveyors of it. Yeah. 
Right. But here's uh, Jake Tapper yesterday on CNN. Regardless, the report is now here. It has dropped. And it might not have produced everything of what some Republicans hoped for. It, it is, regardless, devastating to the FBI. Um, it produced, if, if you've been a longtime listener of the show, there were no surprises for you. No, no. Yeah. You know, I've, uh, and again, I haven't read the entire 300 page report. In fact, I went to sleep. When I went to sleep, I hadn't. I didn't see that it was out yet. I woke up going, oh, whoa. Well, I I went to sleep extra early yesterday. It kept me awake Yeah, because it was right about the time I wanted to start shutting things down. Thanks a lot, John Durham. Yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You finally release it. Could you not do it in the morning? Uh, But, yeah, uh, I I went through uh, a lot of it. I didn't get through all 300 pages. Yeah, neither did I. But, yeah, it is pretty much what we knew. It tells... What what I do like is that it does tell the story. Right. Now, it will be up to the GOP uh, in the House to help that story be told, be known. Because no one is going to, almost no one is going to read the report. Uh, I would suggest if you're on social media, follow Just the News. Uh, John Solomon, follow both of them. Uh, that's his website. Uh, he did something on this today, but he's probably going to be doing a lot more as, as he goes through this in the coming days. Uh, along with Sarah A. Carter, they were two of the first reporters who were really on, and I think, you know, knee-deep in the whole Russian collusion thing. Uh, they did go back. <laughs> I think they went back further than Mueller did. Well, you have, and you also have uh, again the the documentation that was done a way way before the Durham report, mm-hmm. what, a couple of years ago, yeah. was ball of collusion by Andrew McCarthy. Yeah, there. It, this is what I, which I read that entire book. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that we we always said. Well, hold on, he's it's only it's not even done yet. You need it, or does he have a deal for a second book? Uh, because that that might be required. We'll I guess we'll see where it goes. But these are the individuals that all along the way uh, were doing the real work on this and doing the real analysis on this, and it allowed us to follow this from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And we started asking questions from the beginning, and and it kind of led down the path where we thought it was going to go. There were maybe a couple of surprises, uh, but anytime you have Hillary Clinton involved. Not really a surprise. Well, what you what you did get out of the 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 Durham report, and we have said this for a while, but uh, Durham verified it that the only political party that colluded with the Russians to try to change the outcome of the election, and they he go, and this is where he goes back to Iggy Danchenko's past mm-hmm. that the FBI didn't look into, but the only party that colluded with the Russians to try to change the outcome of the election was the Hillary campaign and the mm-hmm. DNC. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no collusion with the Russians with Trump. Didn't exist. Right. The And, and uh, you know, they they went through the, uh, you know, he went through the, uh, the, the dossier. But just so people, just so people know, in case you don't know the story, to simplify it, uh, the entire thing. Oh, this is the other thing that came out of it. And, and we knew this already. But it's in the report, so it's official now, and nobody's debating it, that both Obama and both Biden knew, uh, because this had come out, this happened, I believe, in July of 2016, if memory serves me correctly, 
where the intelligence agencies knew that Hillary Clinton was going to try to set up Donald Trump by saying he colluded with the Russians. Mm -hmm. Both Biden, and this is the thing, everybody knew that. We now know that. Everybody knew that. Right. Uh, uh, Biden knew it. Obama knew it. The FBI knew it. Everybody knew the intelligence out there, which was correct intelligence, Yeah, said Hillary Clinton is going to attempt to set up Trump by saying that he colluded with the Russians, but she's going to basically manufacture it, and that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. Exactly what happened. Look, you know, one of the things that did come out of this that was kind of, I thought, very interesting was the fact that Susan Rice, literally on her way out the door, wrote her wrote something to herself, knowing that it would be officially inside the system once she was gone. And, you know, she was basically, uh, in part, throwing Comey under the bus and kind of describing a couple of things. But the problem with, you know, we've talked about conspiracy versus a culture. A culture is the similar mindset. They all think the same. They all want the same. They all behave the same way. And that certainly exists and has for far too long in the political system inside the Beltway, uh, in parts of the Justice Department. Um, and now we have seen it as, you know, the Clintons were fully embedded, of course, uh, in in all of this. But you're going to, every once in a while, see someone who is uncomfortable for one reason or the other. Not that Susan Rice was a conservative. Uh, not that anybody, you know, really uh, thought that anybody was anybody else was going to find out. It was just that they believed there was, you know, if it does come down, I don't want the axe coming down on me. And I think that was that Susan Rice move. And that I think that tells... A lot. I think there's. I think there's a lot. I wonder if, if anybody will will call Susan Rice. <laughs> if the GOP will call Susan Rice to testify, I doubt it. But the the idea of this story being told, and this is basically what was going to happen. You know, the Sussman trial. You know, was a wash because you're not going to get a jury. At least in that location, you're not going to get a jury. Apparently, that believes in the law. Oh yeah, lying to the FBI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We believe he did, but. Eh, there are there are other crimes out there worth pursuing. It's not worth the time of right. going after Sussman. That was that's the one juror yeah. that said that. Yeah. So you know when you have that in effect again, that demonstrates a culture versus the conspiracy. Uh, nobody has to tell that person to think that way. That's how they think, and they think like a lot of people in this entire scenario. And but but the story being told by Durham is what's important. Well, Durham, by the way, hit that, that the FBI knew that Sussman was lying. Yeah, right. Yep. So they knew Sussman. I they, mean, the, yeah, they, 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 the they, evidence they, was clear. Right. And and we'll we'll break it down for everybody because we want to break this down because, you know, uh, it may not be the final time, especially if there's there if uh, if Durham actually testifies before Congress. He mm. probably will the House. I don't believe that. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the Democrats uh, in the Senate don't want to touch it at all. Right. But the only thing is, what you have here, you don't have anyone. Nobody is saying it didn't happen. And I think what people need to understand is everything that we went through in all those years, everything about Trump colluding with the Russians, 
everything that Adam Schiff said. He was a pathological liar. Mm-hmm. And so, it, by the way, it was appropriate if uh, Democrats were upset that Adam Schiff was taken off of the uh, House Intelligence Committee uh, by Kevin McCarthy. This justifies all of it here, yep. the, the, the Durham report, because he was a pathological liar claiming he had evidence of Trump colluding with the Russians and, you know, you know, criminal acts of, of, of colluding with the Russians, and he was lying to the American public. In fact, when he put out his report, he lied about what the intelligence actually said to the American public. Yeah. And so everything right. that happened in that time, and when you think about it, now we know that the, uh, you know, Mueller investigation, any investigation that started on it, they had nothing. They had no evidence at all. Any time throughout the entire Mueller investigation that there was any wrongdoing or that the that or that President Trump at that time had colluded with the Russians and they knew it all the way through. And you and I talked about this mm-hmm. and you and I said uh, from the very beginning, if the Mueller report didn't come out and and go down and say, OK, um, Trump colluded with the Russians. All right. Where's the best? Where do we find the best evidence of this? Where's the best evidence? Oh, the best evidence would have to be in the FISA uh, application, Mm -hmm. right? Because that would have to be the best. Because if you're able to get a FISA application, you're able to get a secret warrant to spy on a member of the Trump campaign, which is unprecedented in American history. That evidence must be so damning about Russia collusion that we need to go down that path and we need to find out that's where we start right there. That's what any good investigator would have said. Right. They never did that. And no, we knew no. when they didn't do that, we said, you'll know it's political if they didn't do that because they didn't want to find out. They knew they had nothing. Right. And they knew if they went down that, what they would find is more evidence of a Boga FISA warrant against the Trump campaign. And then it would blow everything open at that point. So they couldn't go down that path. And we had stated that if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know, we called that a couple of years ago. We called that way before the Mueller report actually came out. Well, you know, look at it this way with the liberal media and how much they carried this over and over again. Oh, yeah. Then it all disappeared in January of 2021. Think about this. If if Trump had actually colluded with the Russians and there was evidence of that, it would be so far, maybe until we find out more on the Biden thing, the biggest scandal in presidential history. If they if what they were claiming was true right. and they proved it, it would be the story, and it would be the only thing, and rightly so, that the media would be talking about, and they don't talk about it at all anymore. Because they know it's not true. They know it's bogus. It only, the lie worked to that end, and then they moved on to the next lie. That's what they do. You know, a lie requires that. It requires multiple people carrying it. The truth will sit there until it's discovered and still be the truth. And this was, my gosh, I don't know how many lies. 
that were told in the in, this entire chain of events. Everything, every, every story that said there was evidence that Trump colluded with the Russians, every story in the Washington Post, every story in the New York Times, every story in the USA in USA Today, all of it was a lie. We really need for, to have for, for a period of two, three years. We a lie, every, all of yep. it. We need to have that FISACon we've been talking about. Eight six six ninety red eye Logging miles during the hot summer months can put a serious strain on you and your truck's health. Did you know pollutants and allergens in the air outside can enter your cab through the HVAC system without you even cracking a window? That's why it's important to check those cabin air filters. Not only do dirty cabin air filters contaminate the air you breathe, they can also cause major damage to HVAC components like blower motor resistors and AC compressors. Have your cabin air filter serviced if you notice less airflow than usual coming from the interior vents. This is a common sign that your filters are at the end of their life cycle. Breathe easy when the air in your cab is fresh. This report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. So just to go through it, remember the whole thing that uh, Trump colluded with the Russians to hack or change the outcome of the election. We remember. We all remember that. What actually happened was was the Hillary campaign and the DNC took campaign money, funneled it from a law firm uh, to an opposition research group that you know people use. Remember that whole thing that. The opposition research group, um, I can't think of their name at the moment here. Um, Perkins Coie was a law, well, the the law, law firm. firm, and it was um, uh, 
I got my blank on that. Uh, I'll, I'll think of it in a second. Yeah. yeah but the opposition research group actually right. hired Iggy Danchenko. They funneled Fusion the, GPS. Fusion GPS, yeah. They, they funneled the money through the law firm, and they were fined hundreds of thousands of dollars because they broke campaign finance law. They were trying to hide it and said it was, uh, you know, for uh, – uh, you know, legal fees, and it was actually for opposition research. When the and that uh, the money went some some of the money because it was funneled through, so everybody takes her cup. But uh, a, uh, a certain amount went to uh, uh, Iggy Danchenko, who was responsible for I think about seventy five or eighty percent of the actual dossier. And he actually sat around it. In uh, a lot of the information came from a drunk fest where they just made stuff up about Trump, right? And then that went back to Fusion GPS, and then they gave it to the FBI. The FBI did not do their job, did not vet it, did not obviously look at it, did not, uh, you know, did not vet Iggy Danchenko and his Russian ties, Russian intelligence ties from the past when he worked with the Brookings Institute, a liberal think tank, and they actually put out a bogus warrant based on bogus information in the dossier to spy on the Trump campaign. So that was uh, that was one. The other one was uh, uh, the Hillary campaign uh, giving the money to the law firm Perkins Coie uh, and uh, then creating the story, creating a false story uh, using Michael Sussman uh, that uh, uh, Trump uh, had a in uh, through a, uh, what was it, Alpha Bank. Yeah. And Alpha Bank, uh, you know, that's how he communicated with Putin was through Alpha Bank. Well, Hillary Clinton paid and created that lie that Sussman tried to sell to the FBI. He lied to the FBI about it. The FBI believed he was lying when he told them that. Uh, but they actually, once Hillary Clinton did that, once they, you know, sent it up there and Sussman went there, then they promoted to the media that the FBI was investigating Trump, you know, for ties through Alpha Bank. Yeah, they which pr- technically they were, but it was based on a lie of false information given given to them. technically what was. And still not enough. Listen to our podcast available on the app and on our website, RedEyeRadioShow.com. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So the second uh, big uh, enterprise, if you want to call it, ran by the Hillary campaign, as we didn't get a chance to finish this one, was where the Hillary campaign uh, in cooperation uh, with Michael Sussman, who was working for Perkins Coie, uh, he and a oh I can't think of the guy that worked for the the Georgia College place, uh, you know, came up with this thing that uh, that uh, Trump was communicating with Alpha Bank. Now there were communications yeah. from the Trump campaign, but it was basically uh, you know mass marketing. But they came up with the story, the false story, the lie that Trump was communicating with Putin 
through Alpha Bank. And it was completely false. They went to the FBI about it. Uh, Durham writes that the FBI uh, figured that it was a lie. But once they got the story, then Sussman, Perkins Coie, the Hillary campaign, whoever, went to the media and started selling the story that Trump was being investigated for the whole Alpha Bank story by the FBI. Well, uh, who was it? Uh, I can't think. What was the media outlet that reported it right before the election? Forgot who it was. Uh, that. I just can't remember who it was who reported it. Uh, it wasn't Politico. I just can't remember who reported No, and, no, it was... Um, I'll think of it in a second. Yeah, the, but but the, 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 the media reported BuzzFeed. No, it wasn't BuzzFeed. No. Uh, BuzzFeed, well... Okay, BuzzFeed was the did the dossier originally. They they did the dossier. Yeah, 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 yeah it yeah. wasn't BuzzFeed. It was I just can't think of who it was at the moment. Uh, we'll figure it out. Mm. Uh, but uh, once once they ran with the story, then the Hillary campaign said, "See, here's the story. Trump is colluding." They made it. They made it as if they had no idea this was going on. Mm-hmm. And here's a media reporting the story that the FBI is investigating the claims of Trump. Uh, of of uh, Trump, you know, uh, colluding with uh, Putin through Alpha Bank, and it was completely false. It was paid. The lie was paid for and marketed by the uh, Hillary campaign, uh, including as uh, they Durham had reported that uh, Jake Sullivan, the current National Security Advisor for President Biden, he knew about this. He knew about it. And so they made it all, everything was made up by the Hillary campaign to set up the Trump campaign. Everything. And afterwards, they all kept it going. Reading from Jonathan Turley here, the report discusses the Department of Justice and FBI being politically manipulated. The evidence vindicates Trump that this was a well-orchestrated hit job by the Clinton campaign and government officials with a predisposition to investigate Trump. Durham states clearly that there was no basis, zero basis, for the FBI to launch this investigation despite the claims made by James Comey. The Durham report states a general, uh, Clinton general counsel, Mark Elias, declined to be voluntarily interviewed by the office. Elias was recently severed by the Democratic National Committee from representation. The campaign was fined by the FEC for for his hiding the funding of the dossier as a legal expenditure. Uh, and so everything that they had on Trump. Everything. That was all was, bogus. Was bogus. Everything was bogus. From the yep. Durham report... From Turley, uh, within days of the receipt, the unvetted and unverified steel reports were used to support probable cause in the FBI's FISA applications. Durham notes, foreign policy advisor, uh, 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 one stated, however, that it was possible that Clinton had proposed ideas on these topics to the campaign's leadership who may have approved those ideas. Another reliable, a notable line on July 26, 2016, Clinton allegedly approved a proposal from one of her foreign policy advisors 
to tie Trump to Russia as a means of distracting the public from her use of the private email server. And it worked because Comey felt, you know, a higher loyalty. Oh, <laughs> As I, as, I, as I say, because I like the way it sounds, the filthy rot in the FBI started with James Comey. Well, that filthy rot started with James Comey. Yeah, we, may, yeah. we may be able to go back to Mueller, but we don't know yet. <laughs> and his time at the FBI. No, I mean, you know, uh, the whole thing on Alpha Bank, all of it. I mean, if you if you think about how, and it was always going to be this way. It was always going to be very carefully orchestrated, very sophisticated, and because it's it's the Clintons, they know how to orchestrate this. Get something in the hands of the FBI. And then run to the, the the media and say, hey, look, the FBI is looking at this because the FBI was looking at it, but it was based on bogus information given to the FBI. But the FBI carried it and they kept carrying it. Now, Nellie Orr is someone who worked at, uh, she was an executive at Fusion GPS at the time. And her husband was a high-ranking official at the FBI, Bruce Orr. So that connection is important because Bruce Orr at one point told others in the FBI, I don't know that we can rely on this information. It's not fully vetted. It's not fully verified. I'm paraphrasing there, but that was the message being sent to others in the FBI. They kept running with it. Time and time again during this entire thing, in, in both of these major enterprises against Trump. They made stuff up, and it was disproven, and they kept running with it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Same, and uh, same accusation with the FISA warrants, the continuation of it. They knew it was bogus. Yeah. And then on her way out the door, Susan Rice, the day that Trump was being sworn in as president, writes that email to herself. Well, why would you do that on the system? She's not trying to keep notes. She won't have ac access to it. It's for somebody else to see down the road. To cover her backside. That's important to me because I want to know exactly what she was thinking on that day beyond what she wrote. You know, this is something that has to be fully vetted that I, I would love to see fully vetted. I don't have the confidence that it will be fully vetted. And part of the reason is, is because, well, you know, no, that was then, this is now. That whole attitude that everybody has, that it's not worth reviewing, that, oh, well, the FBI promises not to do that again. Okay, sorry, we'll clean that up. And that's kind of the attitude you saw in the media the mainstream media yesterday now because it's trump because it's trump and it's it's acceptable. you don't want to get to the truth right. yeah no i mean you know honestly again if it were if that whole thing were true it would it, keep in mind he's officially running for 24 
If the Russian collusion thing were true and had been proven to be true, it would be the only thing you would say about Trump. Forget about January of 21. Forget about his lawyers in the wake of Election Day 2020. Forget about anything because that entire thing, now, of course, if it had been proven to be true, then he would have been uh, he, he absolutely removed from office. Or remember, he was a traitor. Mm-hmm. Remember all the all of that. He was a Russian agent. All of that mm-hmm. made up by the Hillary campaign. The only campaign that dealt with anyone who could be considered a Russian agent was the Hillary campaign. Yeah. It was the Democrats that colluded with the Russians to try to change the outcome of the 2016 election by the Democrat standard. And now what Durham has said, because Durham pointed back to the intelligence ties that Durham had, or excuse me, not Durham had, that that uh, Danchenko had, who helped create the, the dossier. And the question, remember when he worked for the Brookings Institute, where he's asking people uh, if they'd like to make some money. Right. Yeah. yeah. For knowledge. Right. right. And, and so when you look, so... It, but here's the thing. We know what the truth is now. We said the truth would eventually come out. And you and I remember sitting here on January 2nd of 2017. Wow. Think about it. Over six years ago. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we're looking at each other going, where did this? Because we had just got back from Christmas vacation. We go, where did this thing appear? This thing that Trump colluded with the Russians. I, where's the evidence? What What is this? Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And here we are now, uh, almost six and a half years later. It was all a lie, all a hoax created by the Democrats, by the Hillary campaign and the DNC. All of it was completely 100% false. Uh, it was Slate, by the way, the media organization. Slate.com? Slate.com, okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. And Hillary was tweeting about that, by the way, Yeah, exactly. on October 31st of yep. uh, 2016. This was days yep. before the election. They thought this was their last-minute October surprise. Yep. So they created that lie that uh, Trump was communicating with uh, with a. Uh, uh, Putin through Alpha Bank. It was a it was a hoax. It was a lie made up by the Hillary campaign and the surrogates of the Hillary campaign sold to the media. When the media reported it, then the campaign said, "Oh, look what Trump's doing on a lie and a hoax that they created." Yeah, like I said, it's the it's the biggest political dirty trick in the history of American politics. And I know Democrats are okay with it. It's okay to do those things. You know, they claim they're against disinformation or anything that isn't true. Right. But the fact is they're not. Because yeah. you don't hear any Democrat come up and say, look, this is horrible with the Hillary camp. Has one Democrat stood up and said, this is horrendous what the Hillary campaign did. It cannot be acceptable. We cannot do things like this. Has one Democrat stood up and said that? No. Nope. Nope. Not one. No, and and the more we ignore this and say, well, it's you know, sorry, we, you know, we'll clean that up at the FBI. You know, that's that's our bad. Then the more, the, the greater the chance that this happens again, or is happening right now. 
Yep. None of it would shock me. I mean, the, if we came out again with, you know, with something else down the road, there's no telling what they're going to try and do. If 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 no one is concerned about the truth and holding people at least, at the very least, politically responsible, I mean, Durham is done here as a special prosecutor, but he can still tell the story. Man, I'd read that book a million times over. Well, the question is to Americans, should the FBI serve one political party in a lie in order to destroy uh, another candidate, whether they break the law or not? Now, they did break the law because, as we know, Klein Smith lied mm -hmm. on that FISA report. He mm -hmm. should have done jail time for it mm -hmm. and serious jail time for it. Yeah. Klein Smith. He got out. I mean, he yeah, uh, nobody right. was really punished for it, but we know it. The American public knows it now. We know what the truth is. We know it was all bogus. Does it matter to the American public? Because I know before we get the calls, and, and you don't have to call, well, but nobody was really prosecuted severely on it. Yeah? But if the public doesn't want anybody punished for it, if the public is okay with the FBI serving one political party by promoting a lie... And saying to hell with the law and to hell with investigative practices, we're just going to go with what we feel politically. If the American public is okay with it, right? Exactly. Well, that will be the continued right. degradation of our republic. Right. Yeah, if we want to populist our way out of this, ah, well, they all do it. Ah, well, throw all the bums out. Ah, they're all corrupt. Then great, we're not going to pay attention to it. And don't be surprised when it happens to you but we know what the truth is yep we do six and a half years later yeah wow eight six six ninety red eye lines open for your calls eight six six ninety red eye on red eye radio It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Crony, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the top of uh, the hour, more stories also breaking yesterday. It was a, it was a bombshell <laughs> Monday, uh, but uh, also we'll hear some reaction on the Durham report. All coming up. Top of the hour news is brought to you by House Products. Visit houseproducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want. In case you can't listen live overnight, you can listen during the day, whenever, wherever, however. With whoever. With whomever. Whomever. Yes. 
well, let's uh, play some audio here. This is uh, Andrew McCarthy, who wrote the book Bala Collusion, probably covered this better than anyone in more detail uh, because he wrote a whole entire book on it. <laughs> uh, Fox News contributor, National Review, and uh, he uh, talks about it. And this is right after the report came out. Just to let you know, whether it's Andrew McCarthy or people like us that followed this from the very beginning, there were very few surprises yeah. because Durham had already, in legal filings over the last couple of years, let us know where this was going. Right. So I really, uh, I didn't learn, I'm trying to think if there's anything new that I actually learned Um I mean, there were things that he said that I knew already. For example, we, well, I guess that the fact, that stated fact that Obama and and Biden absolutely knew what Hillary was doing, uh, hmm. that might be new from the point of being both of them knew. Yeah, yeah. You know, that both of them knew all along that this was all, this was all bogus. But here's... Andrew McCarthy yesterday. Well, it looks like about what you'd expect if you followed this story closely over the last number of years. But what Durham is concluding, it, mainly the target of the investigation, it appears on the basis of what we've been able to see so far is the FBI in particular, which ran the crossfire hur- hurricane investigation. That was the code name that they had for this. What he's saying is that they lacked fidelity to the strict obligations of law enforcement that they basically took information uh, that was politically motivated from obviously politically motivated sources. It's clear he's talking there about the Clinton campaign, that they didn't vet it, they didn't corroborate it, they went to the FISA court and swore to it under oath, and even after uh, it emerged over time that the information that they had presented to the court was not accurate. They not only didn't go back to the court and correct it, they doubled down and continued to get new surveillance warrants. Uh, I'll just pause it there for a moment because all of that we knew already. And as he said, we we knew that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Interesting how she goes into, Martha here goes into on Fox, uh, uh, goes into why did it take so long? And he talks about the fact that 29 pages of this is classified. And he said one of the problems is the intelligence agencies were involved in this. And it's so tough to break through the secrecy of, uh, of that. Here's this. So you're saying it basically adds up to uh, the reporting that we've had over the last several years and you have reported on and talked about throughout the course of this. And it took years uh, to get this report, really, Andy. So, I mean, that, that, that's one of the big questions. What took so long and what's the impact of this report? Yeah, I've always suspected, Martha, that what, what would frustrate this investigation and what would make it take so long is it seemed to me that American intelligence agencies and also foreign intelligence agencies were pervasively involved in this. And it was always going to be very difficult for Durham to get to the bottom of that because uh, even if there was smoking gun information there, and I don't know if there was or there wasn't, I do know that what they're saying is this 300-page report is unclassified. There's apparently a 29-page classified uh, annex that's, uh, that's attached to it, but mainly what we're getting is an unclassified report. That suggests to me that um, it, no matter what was there, 
the intelligence relationships that exist between uh, American intelligence services and their foreign counterparts are too important to national security that they were going to be risked in order to be completely transparent about what happened and how this investigation got started. Hmm. Because remember, it was the intelligence agencies that that told uh, 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 the FBI and told Obama and told Biden that Hillary was attempting to set Trump up. Right. This was in July of that year. Right. And, and, and the topic that he was colluding with the Russians, that mm-hmm. there were Trump-Russia ties, mm-hmm. she was going to use that in order to deflect. So Comey knew this all along. Comey knew this. That yeah. Hillary was attempting to... Well, and, and they knew, they also knew that, uh, and I mentioned uh, Nellie Orr working for Fusion GPS, her husband at the time, a high-ranking official in the FBI, Bruce Orr, and Bruce Orr, Bruce Orr had said, had sent a message to others in the FBI, this is the on the dossier stuff, that this is not verified. You know, again, that, that we can't, you know, it's basically this information isn't solid, but they took it and they ran with it anyway. I mean, over and over again, things that were disproven internally, or at least had massive question marks, were carried on. And, you know, you you look at that kind of behavior because I know you did the same thing and kind of the overview of what the liberal media is doing. And if you look at it, it's like, yeah, the, here's the 305-page report, but he doesn't recommend any further charges. Well, here's the question. What do we actually learn from it? I mean, it, it may be that Durham, I mean, it clearly is, uh, that Durham doesn't find he doesn't have the evidence to bring any other charges, because as you mentioned, one of the things is is that a lot of the information is classified information, and if you're talking about something happening internally, it would have to be an IG that works on on that, whether whatever agency you're talking about in this case, the FBI. And if the FBI leadership at that time moved things through, especially when they're no longer there, Comey hasn't been there for years. And so you could see, I could hear Director Ray going right now, well, you know, the previous director may have done business this way and blah, 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 blah. And we, we don't condone anything that is wrong. We only condone things that are right. And so we're going to do things that are right, and we're not going to do things that are wrong. And all this, you know, garbage over and over again, and and basically telling you, yeah, nothing's going to be done about it. You know, because here's the thing, too, that we have learned since all this. That is the time and time again we've learned how they are willing to weaponize agencies uh, within the Department of Justice. We certainly saw that with, uh, you know, uh, the idea how dare you parents show up at a school board meeting and show your and demonstrate your frustrations you're going to be labeled terrorists so and we said that back at the beginning of all this look if they're going to do this to someone who is a um an international figure keep in mind before he even ran for president he was a global household name donald trump 
Everybody on the planet knew that guy. If they're willing to do somebody like that and then add to it the fact that he was a candidate and then the nominee and then the president, sitting president, and they're willing to go that hard at him, don't think for a moment they won't come at you. And so when they went, you know, uh, at these parents, uh, you know, that decided to go speak up for their children and defend what's going on in, in or, or or uh, complain about what's going on in schools. Don't be surprised when they come after you. And 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 this is the world, quite unfortunately, that we live in. And hopefully, the GOP focus in the House, if they're going to have Durham tell this story, they it, it will be to leverage this and to demonstrate the rot that I believe still right. exists there at the DOJ. Okay. And again, it's a similar mindset. It doesn't have to be a conspiracy. But I think I think the biggest problem is is the fact that the American public, half of the American public is okay with this. That's really the problem. There is no outrage. Oh, sure, yeah. No, there is no outrage from yeah. Democrats about yeah. what happened no. here uh, whatsoever. Even the Democratic voter is okay with it because it's okay to do these things if it's Trump. Yeah, no, if you don't it, have political... Or, or I, I'm not going to just say Trump. I believe any Republican now, it's okay to do this. Yeah. It's okay to weaponize the government. It's okay. You know, we knew this from the very beginning, and we took flack from Democrats when we said the Mueller investigation, there should not be a special counsel on this. Right. And there shouldn't be a special counsel on it because you can't even identify a potential crime. Yeah. You can't de- identify a spe- – for example, we we believe that a special counsel for Biden should have been called a long time ago. Why? Because we see the money flow. We see yeah. the money flow, and we know that his son, who is the conduit of the money, and there's no other reason that you uh, enrich members of a president's family, uh, they weren't providing any service. The only thing – the only service they could be possibly providing is influence peddling, and every investigator knows that. Mm-hmm. Every single investigator. You, you don't think that every federal uh, uh, attorney in the United States doesn't look at this and go, oh, God. I mean, yeah, we'd be looking into this big time, uh, you know, if this was under our, our, our purview. Because, obviously, you know when they're trying to evade, uh, you know, payments, you can see the the number of LLCs. And the media is dismissing it because the media doesn't want to touch it. The only thing they can do is dismiss it. Because they're political activists, whatever. But as we had stated for the Dur- for the not Durham, but the Mueller report, we had stated from day one there should not be. You should be able to identify what a possible crime is specifically, not generically. But they were on a fishing trip. Yep, they knew. They knew when they started that investigation. They knew when they in the middle of the investigation. They knew at the end of the investigation. They had absolutely nothing on Trump. They had nothing. And I believe they knew at that point that it was made up by the Hillary campaign. Yeah. Yeah, I I believe they did. And it's, you know, when you look at it, it it is, you know, it's insane. We we talked about if Mueller is not going to go all the way back to the beginning of this, to what brought on the the FISA warrant then you're not then you're not doing a complete investigation and when Mueller was testifying after he was done 
it was so horrifically bad, but it was the only way that something that fake, that empty was going to end with that botched testimony. I mean, it was bad. It was it was a very bad day. And the problem is, again, is that in order to change something that is this big, you have to have a massive, massive political will collectively by the American people to change it. And you don't. And, you know, we said this about a number of things over the years. If you're on the left, well, all right, if this is how the game is played, then don't be shocked if somebody on the right and their Justice Department is going to behave the same. I don't want that to happen. But if this is the game and this is acceptable, then tell me who's going to stop it. Tell me who's going to change it. Well, that's what happens in a banana republic. Yep. It becomes it becomes the norm for the party in power to go after the party not in power and individuals not in power yep. and prosecute them yep. and and put out propaganda and lies and attempt to set them up. This was what happens, you know, in a and and it third goes, world Yeah, it goes from socialist economy. It goes from being accepted to expected. Yeah. And once we reach that point, then, you know, which and, we may have. I, I, I can't tell you because it, I guess we'll learn after the next presidential election, maybe. I don't know. And the banana public re, re, republic, the banana republic culture mm-hmm. that exists now uh, in in liberals that goes into law enforcement where they didn't give a damn about what their job was and what right. they were supposed to do. Right. They didn't care about actually enforcing the law. They were attempting to push Comey, yep. Strzok. Yeah. All were attempting to push a particular political narrative because they disliked one of the candidates and they forgot what their sworn duty was. So both were justifiably let go. You look at the, uh, you know, you look at those two agents that were reviewing that white paper that was handed over uh, and, you know, with uh, the whole Sussman thing. And they were going, man, something is wrong with the person that wrote this. Something is deeply wrong. Yep. And they took it to the brass, and the brass ignored it. That's how things live. Well, don't worry about it. We've got it from here, and it lived on for years. 866-90-RED-EYE. Surviving and thriving as an owner-operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. Owner-Operator Business 101 is provided by Shell Rotella. Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. Getting some input from people saying, well, Trump should sue. He tried suing the Hillary campaign about a year and a half ago, and it was mm. thrown out mm-hmm. pretty quick. Yeah. And was what he was suing for was the because you've got to sue for damages right uh, at the federal level. And so what he was saying was his legal fees in order to defend the, you know, the lie or the defamation from the Hillary campaign. But it was thrown out quickly and he never refiled again. Right. So um, and when the judge dismissed it, I never was got was clear on why the judge did so. Mm hmm. So Trump may try again, but just so you know, he has already attempted to sue the Hillary campaign. And this is after Durham came out with more information. Yeah. When Durham came right. out with some of what the testimony was right. at that point of what he had learned, that's when Trump sued. And I think it was thrown out in three months. Three yeah, or it wasn't four months. Long. It wasn't long before they threw it out. And said, right. No, you don't have standing or you don't have a case. I don't remember specifically what the reason from the judge was or whether we just didn't find out, you know, why the judge did it, whether he just dismissed it. Now, a lot of lot of legal experts said probably doesn't have a chance. It, yeah, it was believed to be a long shot from the yeah. beginning. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, you would think that now it's so clear or if you were found guilty in a court of law, if I on a criminal I, level, then I think if the Sussman thing had gone differently, then I think he might have uh, a better case, maybe, because it was about that time. You know, they were all kind of converging together, and I and you and I talked about it. They were probably hoping to gain some leverage off of what was being learned by the charges against Sussman at the time. Uh, that wasn't over yet. But had that case gone differently, it might have given some uh, leverage to the uh, Trump team, but I'm not sure. I, I'd have to have an attorney break that down for me and because and, it could still be a long shot nonetheless. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Just uh, an update for those asking why doesn't Trump sue? He did sue. It was thrown out last September. Okay, it lasted about 
five months in the court. The judge said it was frivolous and uh, would not allow him to refile again. So Trump appealed, uh, and in uh, part of that, uh, 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 not part of that appeal, but the original judge sanctioned him for almost a million dollars, stating that, you know, because he had sued other people and said, you know, you're not basically, you're, I, I could be wrong, but the judge seemed to be indicating that, Trump was throwing a broad brush everywhere instead of being specific. You know, what's the specific damages and why should this person pay it? Now, he has it's still under appeal with the 11th Circuit. Hmm. So just to people were wondering. Yeah. And I guess we shall see. But uh, again, uh, I haven't seen a lot of analysis since the appeal. Or I haven't seen a lot since it was thrown out last year. Mm hmm. And it didn't seem to be a lot of legal analysis on the specifics of it. And that's what it comes down to in any suit like that. Yeah, you're going but, to have to demonstrate the damages. Right. Now, now, calling it frivolous, as a if, if I'm on the appeals court, I'm saying, well, I know what happened here. You know, they, they did create an enterprise. And you mm. and I had talked about this. And we talked about, remember, how, how Trump, how how he was filing the lawsuit and and maybe that's what the judge found frivolous because for some reason it's unacceptable on the federal level to file basically a rico lawsuit you know in yeah. pop, because remember he was, was fi- remember he was filing yeah. a rico civil lawsuit right uh based you know, on the enterprise right based on the enterprise that was created that there was an enterprise created and when we read the letter of the law, remember we said, hmm, does He's he got, have... Right, he might have something right, here. Right, does he have something right. here? Yeah. And, and, and the judge called that, so that attempt, frivolous. And you and I said, well, why would it be, you know, because it seemed to be the civil part of the, of the RICO law mm-hmm. seemed to... From the wording of the law, I remember at the time when you and I read it, seemed to be saying there's an enterprise to destroy you uh, in you know in a number of ways. It can be politically, monetarily, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now he was looking for the money from it. You know he was looking actually for the money because politically, you know he won. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't. You know, you couldn't say, okay, she destroyed me because I lost the election based on the lie. But he, from what we know, he went after lawyer fees. Now, and the federal level, that may be frivolous for a reason that I'm not familiar with. But when you and I both read it, we went, well, the law actually sort of, the law seems to back that Trump has a possibility here. And again, I don't know the precedent. And the judge also said, well, precedent doesn't allow this. I'd like to see what that precedent is. What is the precedent that they use right. for right. it? Because it did seem like, you know, the RICO, this is a RICO not criminal act. This is a part of the civil law, which says if there is an enterprise created to harm you, 
that you can file a civil lawsuit. Well, and I don't know, was the judge thinking that, look, until, because this is why I brought up the Sussman thing. Had the Sussman thing been, had Sussman been convicted to uh, uh, for lying to the FBI? Not at that point, no. Not when he filed But if, if, if he had been. Well, he had not convicted, but he hadn't right. been charged. If I he, don't think it was. He uh, oh, yeah, he would have been charged. No, he was, because we talked about it then. Yeah, because he would have so, been charged. Because, and we wondered yeah, if yeah. if the, because it we were learning more from Durham based on the charges against Sussman. If that had already played out and Sussman were found guilty, I wonder if the judge would have looked at it differently and said, okay, it's been proven that they lied to the FBI. And this was, you know, part of that enterprise that was created but at that point it hadn't been done and eventually well, in fact it sussman was acquitted i guess my question would be the judge said it's frivolous mm-hmm. well by looking at the i mean and you're you may say well he hasn't been convicted yet yes there was an enterprise because you proved that enterprise with the dossier that it was not true that it was you know and and it's up to them to prove that it's if they're going to accuse you of something, if they're going to defame you on something, you know, the people that are defaming you somehow have to prove it, don't they? Now, but technically it wasn't a defamation lawsuit. That's the problem. It technically right. wasn't a defamation right. lawsuit. Right. It was a RICO lawsuit. You 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 formed an enterprise. There was an enterprise created, which would be the campaign. It would be Perkins Coie. Payne Perkins Cooey, it would be Sussman, it would be that enterprise of the people in the campaign with the law firm that started that particular lie, or for the dossier, it would be the same thing. You have paid money to create, because enterprises are created by all the time by paying people to be part of your enterprise mm-hmm. to do damage to somebody else. I mean, it seemed to, well, I will say this. I would ask the same questions we're asking now to the judge, and I'd like to hear what the answer is. And I'd like to see how they view it, you know, under appeal. Then why is it frivolous? You may say, no, you don't You don't meet the standing. It doesn't seem frivolous. Why is it fr- unless? It's frivolous legally, which we, which I guess everything would have to be frivolous legally. But I don't understand why mm-hmm. everyone and you knew back then you knew that everything was false when he filed it. We knew it at the time because that's why we said in the RICO law we went, "Ooh, this is really interesting." You've created an enterprise to destroy me, and it does. It's not specific in the law. Hmm. You know, so when you see that, I go, why would you call it frivolous legally unless there's a precedent that exists that addresses this kind of thing where a politician defames another politician or creates? Because it wasn't just defaming. It wasn't just saying something. It was creating an enterprise to create a lie, to finance a lie, to create the lie to sell the lie to others. So it actually wasn't the defamation of the lie that he was suing for. It was the fact that she had created an enterprise to destroy him 
and he should be able to recoup some damages, especially like for the legal fees that he had because of this. Mm -hmm. That to me doesn't seem frivolous. If I, you know, I'm, if I'm missing something, I want to know what I'm missing in my analysis or my questions as to why is it frivolous. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing trying to think of what of the. Head. I'm trying right. to think of what the what might have been going through the mind of the judge, and that is, have you proven it to be frivolous, uh, or have you proven it to be an enterprise rather, outside of what might be the norm. <laughs> Well, it's the Clintons. Everything they do is an enterprise in nature. <laughs> and because the sophistication of it. But does it go beyond, is the judge trying to say, and I don't know, I would have to have the judge answer this. Are you trying to say because it doesn't go beyond the normal sophistication of a modern day well, uh, actions of, of any campaign? I, I remember Especially when, a Clinton campaign? I remember when it was talked about an abortion protest going after the abortion protesters criminally with the RICO Act mm -hmm. because that was an enterprise created to uh, help limit and or destroy abortion clinics. Mm -hmm. And that was, I believe that was, I can't remember, but I believe that was thrown out because that precedent would have been sent because the RICO is supposed to be used against organized crime and they were implying on the criminal level that pro-lifers were part of organized crime. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you can't make that leap. But on the civil part of the RICO Act, it doesn't have to be mob-related, Yeah, is what it was explained to me when I was, when, when I read it and then searched out, you know, legal voices that I trusted. But you didn't see a lot of analysis on that. Mm-hmm. When it happened, legal analysis mm -hmm. will be interesting to see. But just wanted to address that because some people were asking, why can't he sue? He should sue now. He has. Mm -hmm. And it's an appeal now. So, But it yeah. has been ruled so far as a frivolous lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And that, I frankly, I don't understand. Right. Now, it's a unique way. You know, it's unique. You and I both said that. We went, oh, RICO Act. This isn't a defamation lawsuit. This is a RICO Act lawsuit. Mm -hmm. She created an enterprise to destroy me. And when you read the actual laws we did at that point, we went, both you and I looked at each other going, wow, does he actually have something here? Right. The judge said Or is the judge saying, well, no, she created an enterprise to get elected and all is, uh, all is fair in love and war, war and elections? Maybe. Because if that's a standard that a lie, I mean, what if a campaign lies about you, it's an enterprise that's lying together about you to destroy you. Mm -hmm. The enterprise, the goal of the enterprise, the entire goal, purpose is, is to win. Is to destroy you politically. Yeah, is to destroy the opponent. All right. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe. That would at least would be, that might be consistent because that's why you don't have lawsuits all the time being filed. Right, right. He lied about me in American politics. <laughs> Get out of my courtroom. <laughs> 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara.
Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Curley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Where is this going? The IRS has removed the entire investigative team from its multi-year tax investigation of Hunter Biden and a whistleblower who raised concerns about the handling of the case is claiming that the move was clearly retaliatory, according to a Monday report. Hmm. For the New York Post, the whistleblower's attorneys told Congress that the removal was on the order of the Department of Justice. So you do away with the entire team, including the whistleblower. Right. That's G. See, it won't look like retaliation if we get rid of everybody. The whole idea of a whistleblower system or or protection within the process, is to prevent retaliation. This would be, in my opinion, the whistleblower's lawyers won't have any problem demonstrating retaliation here. I don't know how it works with government employees, but if this were the private sector, that would be they would just be asking, you know, on the IRS side, well, how much do we make the checkout for? Because that's clear. Well, just throw everybody out. Oh, it wasn't targeted at him right. or her, the whistleblower. I think it's a him. I think now, nobody's making... been fired. They're just not investigating no, it. No, they, they have. Their position has been changed. Right. Now, does this mean another group of agents is taking over mm. the right. investigation? They form a new one. They form a new, and call it something different. Remove the access and everything else. In yeah. The, in the okay. back of my mind, I keep hearing special prosecutor, yeah. special prosecutor, yeah. special prosecutor, mm-hmm. special prosecutor. Well, if you want to, here's the thing. Huh. Uh, if If they're going to do that, if there's going to be a special prosecutor assigned, moves the spotlight strictly over to the president. I mean, it just, it will be full on. Then again, he won't be standing there because now he goes out the side door at the White House. He just ignores the media, continues to ignore the media. He doesn't have to answer your questions, Jack or Jill or whoever's (laughs) shouting the questions. All due respect to the first lady. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's, that's what got me <laughs> But that's how it goes. Oh, yep. Just let it go, and then they can just park this thing in a special prosecutor's office for years. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio 
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want. If you can't listen live overnight on one of our great radio stations. All right, this is interesting. An anti-capitalist coffee shop in Canada is closing after a year in business, the owner announced, citing the lack of generational wealth and seed capital from ethically bankrupt sources as a reason for being unable to continue to operate the business. The Toronto Cafe, the anarchist, Why am I even reading this? Because I must. I must. It's entertaining. Pay what you want to pay at the anarchist. Right. right. <laughs> the Toronto campaign, the the art anarchist, opened in March of 2022 and previously described itself as an anti-capitalist, anti-colonial cafe, shop, and radical community place on stolen land. <laughs> well, you know, as oh. business models mm. go, this one is right out of the success playbook. <laughs> it will close its doors on May 30th. I have a feeling John Tapper did not have, have a visit yeah. to the anarchist. You said Tapper. I think you mean Taffer. Yeah. What did I say? Tapper? Tapper, yeah. Did I say Jack? Did I say Jake Tapper? I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> John Taffer. Yeah. Jake Tapper. And Jake Tapper. <laughs> Tapper and Taffer tonight on CNN. You're like, why Why would Tapper be going to the anarchist? <laughs> that would be a great duo to put on CNN, though. Could, could you imagine John Taffer sitting out in his SUV with, you know, he's got like the, the chef and the bartender out there looking with the cameras inside yeah. the anarchist? Yeah, like, you doing... can't run a place this way! Right. <laughs> yeah, they're doing, they're doing their recon and screaming, going, oh my gosh, I don't even want to get out of the car. I'm not going in there. This guy's crazy. Anti-capitalist. You got... you. The way you're running this place, it's anarchy. Well, we're the anarchists. Yeah, yeah, we know. Thank you, by the way. Thank you for that. We appreciate you noticing. That's... Thank you. That's a compliment. Thank I can you. see John Taffer's face getting all red. It's like... Right. Get out of here, you commie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anti-capitalist. Listen, the anti-capitalist is going out of business. <laughs> Seriously, you didn't get that from the Babylon Bee? Are you sure? Look at the look at the source. Uh, but they're anti-capitalist. Every anti-capitalist, anti-colonial cafe. It's been an amazing experience connecting with so many great community members, sparking desperately needed debate, raising the blood pressures of conservatives. Uh, that includes uh, you, uh-huh. anarcho-capitalists and libertarians, fulfilling the dream of most service workers by not having to tolerate the presence of professional class traders, military and pigs. For those people that don't know, pigs is a 60s reference to cops. Yeah. Yeah. 
and experimenting with living and working in ways that don't enthusiastically embrace capitalism. You're out of business. What are you talking about? We then hate again, capitalism. We, are, are they celebrating this, by the way? I think they're celebrating the closing as being a great experience of not making it. Therefore, it's anti-capitalism. And therefore, they've succeeded in failing. And proving that capitalism doesn't work. <laughs> Tell me where I'm wrong. Oh, my. Oh, seriously. Wow. An anti-capitalist business is shutting its doors. Take your money out of here. Well, okay, I will. But I want my coffee first. Really doesn't make sense. We're anti-capitalists, so we're opening up a place that we're opening up a business that will fail. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that proves our anti-capitalism and mm -hmm. that we're morally right uh -huh. in this. See, told you capitalism doesn't work. <laughs> This is maybe the this is in Fox News wrote this in in an effort to make coffee accessible to everyone and to enforce the idea that the enterprise is not a capitalist venture. Who doesn't have access to coffee? The the the, the <laughs> to make coffee accessible to everyone. <laughs> coffee has never been more accessible. Let me just finish the sentence here and then get to the analysis. In an effort to make coffee accessible to everyone and to enforce the idea that the enterprise is not a capitalist venture, the shop had a pay-what-you-can model that was subsidized by pricier drinks, according to the cafe website. Right. Then the next sentence. The model was evidently not successful. <laughs> well, who was going in there going, I want one of the pricier drinks because I want to support uh, the other people that don't want to pay for anything. The cafe came under criticism when it first opened. As critics said, it was hypocritical to charge high prices for inexpensive coffee and drinks. Well, I mean, the anti-capitalists that you're inviting into your anti-capitalist business are looking at the menu then going, whoa, what's, what's that at the top? What's that $19 mocha? What's that, dude? Pay what you want to pay. The owner ended the uh, his <laughs> statement with, uh -huh. F the rich, uh -huh. F the police, <laughs> F the state, F the colonial death camp we call Canada. <laughs> All right, well, that part's true. <laughs> <laughs> colonial death camp. <laughs> the CDC. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's... On his way out the door. F everybody. The, F the wow. colonial death camp we call Canada. Because that colonial death camp. <clears throat> then again, I did I did see, I was going through the channels the other day, and it was uh, Michael Moore's best and most accurate movie, mm. uh, Canadian Bacon, was mm -hmm, on. Mm -hmm. And it was the part where... 
the Canadian national anthem's playing, and they're all sitting there drinking beers at a hockey game across the border and going, whoa, we're not going to, what, you show your loyalty to a maple leaf? <laughs> you know, and, and it's like they're just they're throwing all these insults at Canada, yeah, right. and nobody's paying attention. All of a sudden, John Candy's you know drinking his beer. He goes, goes, "This Canadian beer sucks." And then the whole place goes, <laughs> the whole arena goes silent, and the hockey players stop playing. Yeah, and the ho- Canadian <laughs> hockey players come jump because it was Canada against the United States, like, right, some yeah. type of match. Right. The Canadian players come up right over the glass and start beating the hell out of John Candy. <laughs> And I just had to watch that portion of it. Yeah. Make coffee accessible. Are you kidding me? Wow. Pretty much every employer gives it away for free. The shop. I mean, you have to be employed. The shop also sells, did sell, well, they're open until the 30th, sells merchandise highlighting anti-capitalist views. Uh, Okay, can I pay what I want for that merchandise? You see my anti-capitalist T-shirt that I found. What do you got? What does it say? Uh, SVB, Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, bank run 2023. Bank run 2023. It's, it's got people running. Yeah, like people running. On the, like it's like it's a <laughs> one of those little running events. Yes, I always try to find these unique shirts yeah. that, I, that I only wear when I'm in the studio here. Right. Uh, and, and there's no cameras, but I still wear them anyway. We're doomed. It yeah, we're doomed. The, mm-hmm. It was one of the first ones I wore. What is the one? Um, uh, stop whining, work harder, whatever it is. Yeah, uh, your Taylor Swift shirt the other day. That was nice. <laughs> Interesting color for a guy, but it was nice. It was a nice shirt. Well, you know, I had to uh, I show your support for Taylor. Well, I just I didn't have my Marin Morris T-shirt, so I'm here. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we're getting a little bit too deep into country controversies. Yeah. I heard she got some award the other day and was just going, you know, she's, Marin Morris is all the, mm. you know, pro-trans stuff mm. and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. I know a guy who played guitar for her earlier in, her, in his career. He was a huge fan of the show when he lived here. And yeah. When... I don't know if he still listens, but when he, because I don't know if he's still doing the band stuff, but when he finished a gig, he used to listen to us all the time. Guy, I met him one time. He told me, he goes, he told me when he was playing for her, when she was just local here in in Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. And he said, she's going to make it. She did. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, when I met this guy, I had seen his band play, another band that he was in. Mm -hmm. And I went up and I just said, hey. (laughs) And he actually played in a band at, the the independent Bob had a party when Bob lived here mm-hmm. at his house, and the regular band canceled. So this band that's quite well known, and Taylor was a part of it, had, were coming to the party. They said, well, the band will play. <laughs> they're coming to the party anyway. And they're a great band. And I went up and said, man, you guys are really good. My name's Gary McNamara. And he goes, tell me where I'm wrong. Mm. And I'm like, oh, wow. He listens. So the band stopped and then started a debate. <laughs> no, 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 no. But... Uh, Way to go, Gary. But I just... Uh, we wanted music. <laughs> just a little... Marin Morris is so clueless. Uh, but that's for another day. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I just love this. A statement ended with, F the rich, F the police, F the state, F the colonial death camp we call Canada. Yeah. Yeah. 
Canada, why didn't you support the anarchist? Right. What's what's wrong? Man, that would have been my free coffee every day. Pay what you want. Okay. I so, don't want to pay so anything. Think about this. The owner of the anarchist has to despise Tim Hortons. Of course. Yeah. No, everybody's going there. They don't mind paying whatever they charge for a quality product. They enjoy their time there. It's legendary. I saw some folks on a road trip, and they had been a couple of times on this same road trip over the years. They had passed by this Tim Hortons, and they said, we're going to make time for it now. On this one, we're going to stop. We don't really have the time, but we're going to make the time. (laughs) And they did. And big coffee drinkers, the whole thing. Here's the problem with the anarchist. Mm. You probably shouldn't be going into any type of business, even if you can't describe the economic philosophy that you, or you're confused with the economic philosophy that's supposed to drive it because you're anti-capitalist, yet you're charging really high prices for some coffee drinks to subsidize free coffee for others yeah yeah uh which in essence is a capitalist move to begin with (laughs) well here's the thing but probably you shouldn't open any business even a commie business based on hate and rage and and the hate for making profits well yes but hate and rage in general just be sitting there and you i hate everybody Come to my coffee shop and drink coffee, and we're going to talk about how we hate everything in our society. Probably you're not going to have a wide customer base. And I'm also guessing they never hosted a coffee with a cop. No, you're, that's a great point. I, I don't, the anarchists never. Well, because if they put the poster out for them, they would have titled it Coffee with a Pig. And. I'm not sure that a police officer would have shown up to that. Probably not. Yeah, I'm guessing no. No. Make coffee accessible. Like there's a problem. This is the problem in the world. Not everybody has access to coffee. Look, you can say not everybody has access to, uh, I don't know, healthy food or whatever the liberals have thrown out. You know, these food deserts, all those you know, things that we've talked about over the years. Mm-hmm. Oh, these are the problems. This is the problem. Blah, 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 blah. They're hitting the drive through. Would it change if you had a health food store? If you had a healthy grocery store that was affordable in the neighborhood, would it change people's diet? No. No, no it would not. No. And, you know, this is, well, it's not accessible. The problem is it's not accessible. But, Unfortunately, we will not have... Well, I guess, I mean, I, I was thinking it would be great to go to you and I to walk into the anarchist with an American flag shirt on. Yeah. Uh, but Back have, the blue hat. Or actually, how, how about an American flag and a Canadian hat or American flag hat and a Canadian shirt? Because they hate both the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See which one infuriates the owner more. Yeah. Because right. the whole thing is... This guy opening this place with such rage and hatred mm-hmm. would be exactly the kind of thing if I was in college, I would organize my college buddies to go into the place and taunt. 
in a very oh, subtle, yeah, in yeah, a yeah, very yeah. subtle way. Oh yeah, the yeah. way we used to to the Lyndon Larouche people. Yeah, at when I went to Buffalo State University, now not mm. college. They yeah, have they, they decided years after you were left, you were gone. Maybe we we're going to go bump a, it up to a university. We're going to go from a college to a university. Mm-hmm. So I'm a university graduate. No, no, no. Graduate. You were there when it was a college. I'm grandfathering myself in. <laughs> well, you're the appropriate age for doing that. I think it was a better school back then <laughs> than the wokeness that embraces a lot of the school today. Yeah, yeah. This coffee shop was as bad as my idea of having tequila with a cop. <laughs> never took off. It never took off. Tequila, tequila with a cop in a car. Yeah. <laughs> Never took off for some reason. (laughs) 866-90-RED-EYE. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. In Trent Radio, he's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. The one thing, the owner of the anarchist now, yeah. the worst thing is, now he's probably got to go work for the man. He's going to have to work for the man You're... or take benefits from the government. It's... Well, that's fine. <laughs> Which, by the way, the person gets as a Canadian citizen. Don't they get the health care? I mean, they yeah. he gets the yeah. health care. Yeah. Yeah. What are you complaining about? Right, so... Yeah, but I I get it, but I don't want it. Do you use it? Yeah, but I don't like it. <laughs> Making coffee accessible. Just like, give me a break. <laughs> Make tequila accessible. <laughs> coffee is a right. Oh, wait a minute. Huh? Wait, yeah. Hold it. That was in WKRP. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember yeah. John, Dr. Johnny Fever? Right, no, yeah. He was almost went in on radio. strike. Yeah, he said, yeah, because coffee is supposed to be a right in radio. In radio, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I remember when I first got into radio, mm. a dollar a week, but all the coffee you can drink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that college radio? I'm sorry, university radio? I will say this. Coffee has always been provide has always been accessible if you're in radio. I don't mm-hmm. know any place where I ever worked in radio that didn't have free coffee available for you. Yeah, no, I, I've always and we've I'm, always had it's not it's not always great coffee, but yeah. Yeah. I'm drinking some right now. Yeah, from I'm, the try, I'm trying to think of any place where it was not that I ever worked and there all there was always free coffee in radio. Yeah. So Yeah. So yeah, we, we are we are we are the right. true anarchists. Coffee is accessible here. That's right. And we pay what we want, which is nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> or what it's worth. No, exactly. <laughs> McNamara and Eric Harley taking your calls. 1 866 
90 Red Eye. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. So here we go. I said this yesterday. I can't believe this story exists today because I really never thought I would see it this soon. But it was just an off-the-cuff remark when we were talking about uh, what's going on with illegal immigration and migrants and the major Democratic cities where migrants are you know, being sent by bus to the destination of their choice. Mm-hmm. They choose it. And I said, man, will there come a time when Democratic cities will actually say, it's time that we get rid of our sanctuary city designation? Uh-huh. I didn't know it would be hours after. There's the headline. Eric Adams wants to revoke New York City's sanctuary city status amid massive migrant influx. As New York City deals with the massive influx of illegal immigrants, Mayor Adams on Thursday said he was asking a judge to revisit the city sanctuary city law. The law of Sanctuary City was in place long before I became mayor. I'm following the law. As a law enforcement person, you know, we follow the law. We are now in court today asking a judge to revisit the law to deal with this humanitarian crisis because even when they decided to put uh, into place that law, no one ever thought that they would be dealing with a humanitarian crisis of this proportion. Why not? The idea was anybody and everybody. Yeah. The statement comes as hotels in upstate New York have canceled pre-booked hotel rooms and booted homeless veterans to make space for Adams uh, migrants. The Crossroads Hotel uh, abruptly canceled a Florida couple's 30-room reservation made for their wedding made a few months ago to accommodate migrants. And they talk about the other the other people that had, uh, you know, hotel rooms planned. Adams signed an emergency declaration last Wednesday ahead of Title 42's expiration, suspending the city's right to shelter rules that find private ru- rooms for illegal immigrants immediately, according to CBS News. So there you go. New York wants uh, a judge to revoke. New York City sanctuary city status. What does that mean if you do? Are you going to refuse them then? Well, what would change? What are you going to do at that point? Because it's also Adams that has been asking the Biden administration for help. And Biden's like, sorry, can't hear you. I went out the side door. And as the administration and others say, oh, we're not having riots at the border. Nobody was saying there was except you last week. Remember, we were saying, why Mm -hmm. why is it the Democrats saying, be prepared for chaos and riots and everything else? Mm -hmm. And we had stated what's actually going on. They're not trying to stop it. What they've done in preparing for Title 42 is open up more avenues where they're telling people, here's how you get in the country. You know, listen, please pay attention to us. Fastest way to get in. Here's how you get in free. 
Here, you know, just here's what here's what you say. You know, here's what we allow. Uh, we allow migrants to come in for asylum for this, 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 and this. So say these things, mm-hmm. and then get in line, and we'll process you right through and into the country. Yeah. So even if it's not mass riots, as they were stating, uh, at the border, this doesn't change anything because the, there's going to be a continuation and even more busloads going to New York oh, yeah. and even in Chicago. And so I see this here in the New York Post, Glenn uh, Reynolds' column, Democrats throwing black voters under the bus for a new progressive agenda. Hmm. Sorry, black voters, you're being replaced. The Democrats just aren't into you anymore, that into you anymore. Mm-hmm. They've got a new constituency they like better, and you're being thrown under the bus. Blacks in Chicago are not happy about it. Uh, we don't care. We don't want them here. Send them back. Some of the quotes from some of the city's black residents. Those are some of the reactions of black citizens from Chicago's south side which went 97% for Biden. This is a reaction to the importation of hundreds of migrants from Mexico and Central America. Mm -hmm. The Chicago Sun-Times was horrified, accusing them of sounding much like an ugly America first rally for Donald Trump. One man even held up a sign that read, Build the Wall 24. That image alone is certain to put a smug smile on the faces of many MAGA types. That's what the Chicago Sun-Times wrote. Mm -hmm. One activist, Natasha Dunn, was unfazed. Quote, it's a slap in the face that we as citizens of the United States of America do not have the resources and support, but you're going to bring people who are not citizens here in our community, in our buildings that we pay taxes for that you took away from us. Talking about using schools that have been closed down. Yep. Public housing already in short supply is now being diverted from black citizens in Chicago to migrants and illegal immigrants. Is it really surprising Chicago's blacks are unhappy? But you know, when you're a pushover, you get taken for granted. Mm. And when your community goes 97% for Democrats, you're a pushover. Now that they have you nailed down... They're busy importing a new batch of future voters, and if that makes your life worse, well, tough. If they're not afraid of you anymore, you get nothing. That's the Chicago way, and that's the Democratic Party way. For basically my entire lifetime, Democrats have courted the black vote and promoted black issues, but in the last few years, that's changed. The Democratic Party is now run by well-off, mostly white, woke people whose interests diverge rather than uh, rather sharply from those of the party's uh, black constituents. Black voters want jobs. Democrats want to import illegal competition that will drive wages down and make those jobs harder to get. Blacks want safe streets. Woke ideologues who generally live somewhere else push deep police, deep, uh, policing initiatives that increase urban crime and disorder while killing off businesses that provide employment, something that's happening in Chicago, New York, San Francisco, Portland, and elsewhere. These policies are less popular with the people who actually have to live with the resulting crime and urban decay 
that uh, than those that actually promote them. Hmm. Woke white ideologues also champion green policies that hike gasoline, utility, and food prices. They don't see these consequences as problems, but as features because they want people to eat less and use less energy. But those rising costs are a brutal burden on people barely getting by as it is. The other big woke issue, trans rights, isn't especially popular with black voters either and not very relevant to their daily lives. And of course, even at the top level of national politics, black voters could be forgiven for thinking the Democratic Party is kind of, well, uh, racist. Just look at the disproportionate attention paid to trumped-up ethics charges against black Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. When wealthy white woman uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg traveled at donor expense more than any other justice, and her husband's law firm represented clients before the Supreme Court, there was no national outcry. No, in fact, it was quite the opposite. The left was hailing her as the goat. Well, it's what we started saying, that the identity politics, and people forget about this, that the identity politics started against blacks. Mm -hmm. The modern identity uh, uh, politics movement of the Democratic Party was of black conservatives. Number one, it was at Clarence Thomas, you Mm -hmm. remember, Mm -hmm. when he was in, and then a black uh, conservative talk show host. I know, I remember when that was going on at that point. Mm -hmm. And there was the thing that all blacks must think alike. How racist is that? You can't be autonomous. You can't have your own thoughts. You have to abide by what the Democratic Party tells you to do and if you don't then you're not really black right and they still do the same thing today and as glenn reynolds points out here in his column it's being run by white ideologues who Mm -hmm. are telling blacks what they should think right yep i I mean over and over again i mean we see the demonstration of this play out over and over again on the left oh by the way chicago hope you're looking forward to the big convention next summer the DNC yeah. will be right there. Well, it's something we've also talked about, school choice. The black families love. Everybody loves them, but black families love them. But Democrats want to do everything possible to ensure that blacks don't get a solid education. You know, one of the things we've talked about with uh, this huge, huge run on the border is that this summer, like with every summer, but especially next summer, there's going to be a huge rush. So I don't know what you do in a city like Chicago as they come upon their uh, their convention there in Chicago and the, the whole thing on the border, the border crisis is not going to change and quite possibly, in fact, likely it's going to be worse, which means it'll be worse in Chicago. No, you're right. <clears throat> But we talk about it, school choice. You know, who who was it who fought for blacks to have in the inner city to have the same Second Amendment rights, law-abiding blacks, as people do in the suburbs? The Republican Party, mm-hmm. the Democratic Party was doing everything to skill, kill school choice and to kill the ability of blacks in the inner city to have the same Second Amendment rights to protect their lives and their property in a high-crime area as anybody else. And the Democrats and the liberal black leadership was doing everything to deny them school choice and the ability to protect themselves 
self-defense. And as we always stated, we've stated this for decades now on this show, if they don't care about your education and your kid's education and they don't care about you having the ability to protect your life, then you tell me exactly what they care for. But for decades after I know I first said that, Blacks continue to support the Democratic Party that is now working against every single interest of blacks mm-hmm. in the in, in the inner city. They don't care. They don't, they care. don't care about the problem. They've never cared about the crime. Nope. They don't care about your concerns over illegal immigration. They don't care about any of it. 86690 Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. The one thing I wonder is, and, you know, you never know. The public is so on edge right now. You just don't know what will set them off. I'm still surprised at the whole Bud Light thing. I Mm. can't believe that is what really set off the public. It's almost like the public has been sitting back waiting for a moment to go after the insanity of the radical liberal transgender activist movement. Who would have thought it would have been that ad that would be the thing that would send people over the top? And so it may be in the cities over the next year because this isn't going to stop anytime soon. The administration is not good. They want to more rapidly accelerate illegal immigrants becoming migrants, legalizing them and letting them stay in the country for two, three, four, five 12 years before a court date ever comes up and and ensuring because it's not just Texas and Florida and other states uh you know saying hey you want a bus ticket somewhere else the federal government is also flying them in places as we have found out as New York found out it wasn't a big deal when Biden was doing it it only became a big deal when DeSantis and Abbott started doing it in Mm -hmm. Florida and Texas. Mm -hmm. But it was being done anyway. But there's so many now where is this the thing that will, you know, we saw Hispanics make that shift. We've seen women be ignored now by the Democratic Party over the radical transgender activist movement, where, you know, the Democratic Party is now rejecting biological women and saying the biological men can dictate what a woman is. Well, you're fracturing your your female base. You're fracturing, as we've seen, the Hispanic base that they had is uh, is the the base of black voters about to be split. I think quite possibly, and it it will be at least. I, I don't know how long it would last if that is the case, but it will be on full display in all the major cities, including Chicago, who is hosting. The 24 DNC. Their national convention is going to be there when the problem is only going to be worse.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you for being here at Red Eye Radio. All right, so yesterday, right about this time, too, we were talking about what the strategy uh, might be of uh, the DeSantis uh, campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, nothing yet that he's going to announce this week, but a couple of weeks ago, this was the week that people said he might announce. Now, there's no indication that he will, but you know, it'll be interesting to see if he does. But this is a political article. Uh, why the DeSantis Brain Trust thinks that it can actually beat Trump. you know. So that's what we were asking the other day. What are they thinking inside the campaign, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, do, they, do they have a legitimate point? Are they being delusional? As a lot of candidates are. A lot of candidates come in thinking that they have a chance. Uh, in all likelihood, Chris Christie, as we said yesterday, is not going to be the next nominee. Uh, probably neither will Rick Perry. DeSantis, yes, he has the best chance. Uh, but it's interesting because they actually, uh, the DeSantis campaign, invited this political reporter to come talk to them. Yeah. Uh, and he said, um, and so he uh, he did. Hmm. He said, and here's what they said here. Um, Aides working for the the uh, for DeSantis don't want their phenom to be judged before he even steps into the batter box. To stretch the metaphor, that's why they invited me to Tallahassee. DeSantis's high command recognizes that the catnip for junkies national polling has shifted towards Trump this year, but they believe they retain a fundamental advantage. Quote, everyone knows the majority of the Republican Party wants to move on. Hmm. Said uh, Gennara Peck, DeSantis' gubernatorial campaign manager and closest aide. From uh, what they are getting, the incoming they're fielding, as they write it here, uh, from donors, activists, and well-wishers, tells a very different story from the one that comes with each week's spate of Trump lead grows national surveys. There's one other factor that has DeSantis advisors convinced that they remain well-positioned. Trump eagerness to kill their campaign now. He knows the greatest threat is Ron DeSantis and that he was coming and coming strongly at some point, said David Abrams, a governor spokesperson, by way of explaining why Trump has wielded nicknames, endorsements, and organizing to smother that campaign before it even gets underway. To this end, there was nothing the DeSantis team was keener to convey than that he has survived 
the preemptive onslaught and that there's a disconnect between his appeal in the early nominating states and the grumbling from fickle party elites and a media they believe remains hooked on the Trump show. They also believe he's not getting credit for the conservative victories he has piled up uh, in the just-concluded legislative session. There's truth to all of that. It's also still early days, but DeSantis is facing considerable challenge in a compressed timetable. It's a challenge that owes in part to his own deficiencies and in part to how Trump has transformed the Republican Party. First, why the DeSantis team remains optimistic. They surveyed three kickoff states, Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina, in the days after Trump was indicted in Manhattan last month. This was as Trump was getting his national polling bump and after months of the former president's attacks on DeSantis. The governor still enjoyed a higher net favorability than Trump among likely Republican voters in all three states. According to the research, a sign that the GOP electorate electorate remains very much open to his candidacy. Iowa Republicans feel unfavorably towards DeSantis, perhaps most notable in the conservative-dominated caucuses. DeSantis was viewed favorably by nearly 80% of those who call themselves very conservative. Trump's unpopularity was even higher in New Hampshire, where independents can participate in either party's primary, and in South Carolina. The surveys were analyzed by Ryan Tyson, DeSantis's poster, who has a reputation for pinpoint accuracy in his native Florida. DeSantis and his wife, Casey are their own chief strategist, as anybody in Florida Florida politics will share within 10 seconds of the topic coming up. Outside the family, though, most of his top advisors were sitting at the table when I visited. Hmm. It's a capable and highly committed team, more true believer than commission-hunting mercenary, and the aides were buoyed by their growing organization, which will include... Sam Cooper, their political director, uh, and uh, others, uh, they go through all these other names there that most people wouldn't recognize, so I'm not going to go through them, but well, they say are all political uh, uh, experts. Yeah. And and just goes on to, you know, we talked about yesterday how DeSantis is, one of the things he's doing in the Republican Party is local fundraising that Trump isn't doing. He's going mm-hmm. and raising funds for other people. I would say this. I will, if, when he announces, if you see a bump within a week, and it's 10 points or more, then he's in. I mean, that, then it's a, it's going to be a race. If yeah, you see that yeah, kind of yeah, move. Sure. Yeah. If he comes out, and if he comes out strong and then does rallies and then does, uh, and then does, uh, you know, a- advertising, the thing is, how strong does he come out against Trump? He's not going to be, he's not going to be Trump. Because a lot of people think, well, the only way you'd be Trump is, beat Trump is by being Trump. And uh, I don't see that happening. I, I don't believe DeSantis uh, uh, thinks that. I'm really amazed because, as you have seen, you know, normally it's the, and I, I'm not insulting them by saying it, but they are, you know, normally it's the bottom feeders who will attack. 
and the bottom feeders really haven't attacked. Yeah. They haven't gone after Trump. Right. And it's like, then what's your point? Eventually, in some way, you have to go after Trump and you have to go after Trump hard. How does DeSantis do it? What is the tone in doing it? Or And what is the timing? What is the timing? Or does he believe that he can just slowly put out that message of, look what I did in Florida. I can get. I'm a conservative. And you've seen, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. What's going to be interesting here is we are going to find out uh, probably in a lot of the the uh, different polls, once DeSantis and everybody is in, you're going to find out in 2023-24 just how conservative versus populist the Republican Party has become. Mm-hmm. Well, and and what's the makeup? What's the ratio? One of the things, one of the key things that happened in Tallahassee uh, yesterday is Brian Griffin, the press secretary for Governor DeSantis, resigned and said he's moving on. And here's the quote. I'm stepping away from this role to pursue other avenues of helping to deliver the governor's success to our country. So it looks like he may be the press secretary uh, or play some top top role there in the in the campaign. Also, they have moved offices, and in Tallahassee, the campaign, um, and so that's the question is now how it just looks eminent. Everybody's looking at it, saying, "Okay, there's no way he's not going to announce soon." The question is when. I could see him announcing the Friday of Memorial Day weekend as we honor those who paid the ultimate price for our freedoms. We need to remember the nation that we are. We need to remember the people that we are. We need to step away from the social media. We need to consider and remember our everyday exchanges as a society, that's who we are. While we have a lot of work to do, and that's why I want to run, don't let the media shape this country anymore. Just off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm thinking that he's got, he's got to promote the fact that, um, that that I had my successes in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the things that I have have done. Mm-hmm. I have support of people, and because he's going to be criticized, he's already been criticized of being a rhino. Mm-hmm. And if it was a rhino, obviously he won Miami Dade County. He's got to be a rhino. Democrats aren't going to vote for somebody who's a conservative, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what they're trying to say. These he is he is too broad based. Actually, what the Republican Party needs is to be more broad-based, but that will be a criticism, I think, thrown at DeSantis, and DeSantis needs to come back at that point and say, no, people like, look at the polls, people like conservative values. The people agree with me on the issues. They agree with the Republican Party on the issues, but unfortunately, they disagree in the polling shows 
with certain people that are promoting those issues. And Our goal is to win. Uh, Trump converted a lot of Democrats. You know, you could make that same, that's, if you're going to make that point based on your position of supporting Trump, he must be a rhino because he's got Democrats supporting him. A number of people who were on the left ended up, whether they voted for him in 2016 or not, ended up standing behind President Trump. And what it shows you is, is that on the issues, the country, I, I don't know to what extent is changing, but certainly a number of people are changing and a number of Democrats are changing. Well, on the issues, it's dominant. It's almost landslide where mm-hmm. Republicans stand versus Oh, it Democrats. has been for a long time. Yeah. yeah. They just didn't vote yeah. that way. I mean, it was landslide after the debates between Romney and Obama. On the issues, there was a landslide. The, the, the thing is with the Republican Party, and people go, well, the Republican Party split. The Republican Party has two strong candidates. Mm-hmm. Very Whether you like them or not, I'm, this isn't a – I'm not having a discussion on whether you like – I'm just saying those they're two dominant personalities. When was the last time you had that in a Republican Party? Besides Trump coming in and being – dominant who was dominant against trump in in that ted cruz certainly wasn't i'd say jeb bush <laughs> no <laughs> see that that's but see that but that's i guess that's my point the the sarcasm of you throw somebody out john Kasich, <laughs> even chris christie <laughs> chris christie comes out strong when he was on, when he was, uh, you know, when he does his Sunday morning news shows, and he actually makes good points at times, mm-hmm. but he wasn't that same person when he he wasn't the same person when he ran as he was for governor. No, no, oh, no. But if he was, would that have worked against Trump? What tone can defeat Trump? Would be the question I was I would ask as a political consultant. You've got the goods. What tone? wins you this it's not going after him but it's not uh you know doing what trump does trump owns that i don't think you can beat trump at his own game is my point well and by arguing i can't how tell he you argues. that yeah i can't tell you that that game works to the same extent anymore for him, I don't know. It's not going to work for anybody else, but I don't know if it works for right. him. Right. Well, as well. Right. We're, we're going to find out. Yeah, to that extent. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're putting this all in question form because we can't. Well, because read in 2016, he was an unknown quantity politically. Yeah. It was, like with all new candidates to the game, or at least to that game, a presidential run, it's. I've got, you know, I'm putting my trust in you based on, in that case, uh, his business. In the case of Governor DeSantis, it would be, all right, successful governor. Not just successful. Someone who brought his state together, which is nothing. The question is, does it translate in 24? Which is not nothing, I think I meant to say. Um that's the whole thing. That's that's a big deal for Florida. That was a big deal last November. Is it going to be a big deal in 24? 
866-90-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on compliance, safety, accountability. To determine a driver's compliance, safety, accountability, or CSA score, safety event data is recorded and compared against that of other drivers. Drivers are given a CSA score, but unlike motor carrier scores, driver scores are only visible to enforcement officers during an audit. However, drivers' most recent five years of crash data and three years of roadside inspection data is made available to potential employers via the pre-employment screening program. So it's a good idea for drivers to review their online PSP record from time to time. A request for data review can be submitted via data queues to have errors corrected or to have a non-preventable crash designation indicated for a crash. In the event a current or previous carrier is audited, Records on drivers with high CSA scores will be targeted first, but individual drivers are not subject to CSA interventions like motor carriers. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller & Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Quickly, I want to go to Tony in West Virginia because he's a Trump supporter. Tony, welcome. You're on Red Eye Radio. Welcome to the show. Hi. Uh, how are you doing? Good. I just wanted to say that I've always been a Trump supporter. Uh, I just don't like the circus or the sideshow that comes along with his candidacy and presidency and everything with all the Russian collusion crap and uh, now he's got indictments he's going through. It just, uh, it's too much of a distraction, I think. Let me ask you this, just uh, quickly. When he when he says, you know, when he calls him desanctimonious, does the name-calling against, now, the name-calling has been effective for Trump. Is it effective, in your opinion, against DeSantis? Uh, no, I don't think so. Right I, now, DeSantis looks like a choir boy to everybody, so I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't think it matters. I mean, the, the name calling is Trump's been the best at it. I think, or maybe the worst. Whatever you want to go with. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it's always been in politics, but right. trying to find dirt on somebody. So, right. so that don't, that doesn't even bother me. Well, no. I just wonder if you thought it was effective. No, I don't think. Yeah, because so. that, that's the one thing we just never thought it was. And thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much Thank for your you. call. I, I just don't think it's uh, effective. And the other thing that's been interesting is when Trump has criticized DeSantis and he's expected at one of his massive rallies, he expects what he would get if he was going after a John Kasich yeah. or a Ted Cruz. Right. He didn't get it. No, I would say outside of the uh, primary, if because he changed his nickname for Joe Biden from Sleepy Joe Biden to Corrupt Joe Biden. Yeah, exactly. Now, that applies. Now, that, yes, but you'll get cheers for that. Yes. I, yeah, I don't know, you know, if that's effective or not. You, somebody would have to, you know, Frank Luntz or somebody would have to tell me.
You're listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome, and uh, thank you for being here. Yeah, just interesting, because the one thing that the DeSantis people think, and, you know, this is what they believe based on their polling, Mm. that a majority of Republicans are looking for an option. And until you're an official option, you're not an option. Yeah, uh, and he's certainly a viable option, DeSantis is. Uh, Again, uh, the, the trust is, you know, that you would put in him as a voter um, or donor or party would be that he's done all these things as governor, but he's also made a lot of national news and hasn't really taken a hit. There are no bruises left on him based on the battles that he's taken on in, in Florida. So to that extent, you know, he, he hasn't flinched. They do like that about Trump. They like the straightforward attitude. They love that. But DeSantis can deliver that, too. When I saw DeSantis the other day say, shut down the border. It's out of control. Shut yeah. it down. Yeah. I said, and I thought to myself, first thing I thought of, okay, what differentiates DeSantis from Trump on any issue? Right. Right. And, and I know Trump tried to bring in the whole Social Security thing, mm. which I don't, you know, I, you know, they and then DeSantis went back and other Republicans fact checked and said, you said the exact same thing a few mm. years back. Mm-hmm. that Social Security and Medicare have to be reformed. And now you're saying you're not going to touch them. Well, of course, any responsible person has to look at what we're you have to change it somehow. You you either, for Social Security and Medicare, you either have to cut benefits or uh, raise premiums Mm. and maybe raise the age. Yeah. Um, You know, Social Security, don't know if they're going to, that's not even, you don't even hear that talked about Medicare, you know, increasing the age. You hear that just for Social Security. But, and, and so, you know, that, you know, was like, okay, there's no issue there because we all know you know, what any conservative thinks about it. They, every, anybody knows you have to make changes, you know, but the populist thing is, no, we won't touch it. Well, you have to. You've got to do something. Mm-hmm. You just can't leave it alone. Mm-hmm. And so that went nowhere. And then what was the other thing? Well, well think well, about it. If, if, uh, if a president, if a new president is sworn in in January of 25, then they're going to be there. They want to be there for two terms, which takes you right up to, you know, the election of 2032. If you think about it, that's kind of when, that's when everybody looks at Social Security. This The next president, especially if they're a two-term president, has to deal with it. Right. You can't just, this is not, uh, you know, in the abstract anymore, hey, Way down the road in 2032, 2033. It's not down the road anymore. It's going to be at the end of the next president's second term if they get two terms and it's a new president's hoard in. 
in January 25. So but you if don't you, want that as your legacy as you go out right. the door, the implosion of Social Security. If you look at all the issues out there, what differentiates DeSantis from Trump? Well, there's your answer right there. We can't think of it off the top of our head. You know, what differentiates a Trump from a DeSantis issue wise? Mm -hmm. Well, if you really don't know and you believe, well, they're basically the same, then what's the only thing you're thinking of? Who's more electable? Yeah, the the presentation. Presentation. It's all about presentation. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. And I know, I mean, there was the, what was the other thing, too, that Trump brought up where we said, you better watch out because it's going to boomerang right back at you. And it did. And it wasn't Social Security. It was something else. Mm. And it did. It came back at him. And then he wasn't talking about it much anymore. And I can't remember what the other issue was. Mm. And so he was trying to differentiate themselves on the issues, but Trump was attempting to, but it wasn't working. Yeah, no, I mean, um, any of that obviously would come out on stage during a GOP debate. So our first shot of that, well, if not before then. Well, but if if I thought about this the other day, we didn't get a chance to talk about this uh, because Trump was asked again, I think, at the uh, at the town hall meeting, mm-hmm. will you endorse a candidate? Well, I don't know. It depends whether, you know, mm-hmm. if, if I thought the election was fair, well, it's like, well, that's the RNC isn't going to take that. Remember, you don't participate unless you're willing to endorse the ultimate candidate. Will the RNC hold by that or will they have to crumble on that? Well, and is that going to play out during the primary? Forget about the general state by state. Or are you going to have a claim that, well, that wasn't fair. That was rigged. That didn't happen. Well, yeah, that's what he was, you know, yeah. that's that's the whole point is that. Right. Do you want that the GOP doesn't, the party doesn't want that mess in the primary? Because that will be the story. Forget about Trump versus DeSantis. It'll be about the GOP or or the candidates claiming this is rigged or the top candidate at the time, quite possibly, claiming it's rigged. Right. I mean, what I got from the RNC, what I got from the RNC is you either you either promise to endorse well the the nominee from the Republican Party or you don't get to participate in the debates. Well, that's going to cause a ton well, of problems. That's that's and it's such a horrible approach. It really is. Just stop it. Have the debates. And if someone doesn't endorse or a number of them don't endorse who cares? You're create what you're doing is you're setting up the fire. Don't do that. Don't set up the fire. It may happen on its own, but you're making sure it's going to happen before you even kick off debate season. Yeah, stop it. It's a horrible idea. Because you may not have, you may have, a well, okay. Chris Christie is on stage or he's not because he's saying, well, I'm not going to endorse Trump if Trump is the nominee. 
So, I'm, which will likely be the case. Now, does anybody really care that Chris Christie isn't on stage? No. My point is, is it might get down to DeSantis and Trump <laughs> at every debate. And we still don't know if Trump is going to agree to get on the stage and do debates. Yeah. And really, it's in part for the same reason. So our, I guess, are the DeSantis people that say, look, the vast majority of Republicans are looking for another option. Mm -hmm. They're looking for an off-ramp. When he announces, when DeSantis announces, there's the off-ramp. And as I said, okay, we'll see in a couple of weeks after he announces whether he gets a bump. Mm-hmm. If it's 10 points or more, I would probably say, you know, where he's down 40 points or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, you never know what can happen at that point. And then the campaign, the campaign starts. But if, you know, they're saying that they're looking for an option, it's not an option on the issues. Right. It's an option strictly on who is electable. And the last caller who said, look, I'm a Trump fan. I voted for him all the time, but there's just too much stuff. And mm-hmm. he wasn't necessarily even blaming Trump. He was just saying there's just too much stuff. There's no, too many things going on that, 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 that interfere with it. You know, yeah, did, it, did he get screwed over? We just talked about the whole Russia collusion hoax after the Durham report came out. Trump was screwed over. And, yeah, mm-hmm. there was a lot of things that happened that were wrong that happened to Trump. But many Republicans are like, ah, it happens in politics. We need to move on. We need to win. Mm-hmm. And in order to win, you've got to be able to get independents and some Democrats to come over. Yeah. And can and so I think as when, when DeSantis gets in, then people really start mulling that particular decision. But I believe the only decision is electability mm-hmm. yeah for the most part i think it always will be i don't know that even if he comes out and says look i differ from trump on uh you know sanctions against against this nation or that nation or uh war or you know whatever it's still going to be on generally speaking on issues they're very much alike It'll be interesting. So you say Friday before Memorial Day, he'll announce. I could see that being the case. We'll see. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. know, You're building up. Hopefully you're building up for something. I don't know what that would be, though. But, yeah, before a three-day holiday, I don't know. Do you want to do that on the Friday or do you want to do it on a Monday? Or Tuesday, the Tuesday after Memorial Day. Well, M- Memorial Day Sunday, the day before Memorial Day, is not a big Sunday morning news show day, so that would be a big miss. Yeah, so that's Because people are traveling. Uh, Tuesday. This weekend would be, Sunday would be. Um, do you get more leg, you know, uh, it, does it have more legs if you do it on a Monday? I don't know. Um, well, you wouldn't do it on Monday. I mean, not Memorial Day. But. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Yeah, This Monday. Yeah, definitely yeah. don't do it on Memorial Day. But, yeah, I don't know. Because right now, too, 
you know, you've got people traveling. You've got graduations going on. June 1st, the beginning of hurricane season. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I was looking for any kind of date. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that it could be, you know, it's any, any date between now and June 1st. I think most people believe it's going to happen by the end of the month. So with them, uh, with his press secretary stepping down and saying, I'm going to be doing something else with the governor and our country. Well, I think that's obvious. And the new office there in Tallahassee that they were moving into yesterday. So, yeah, I think it's going to happen uh, in a matter of days, as most everybody does. Just watch what's going on, and you can tell. 86690-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Radio eight six six ninety red eye. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. So, uh, credit card debt set to hit one trillion dollars. Wow. Uh, yeah. It uh, rose to a historic one trillion dollars for the first three months of 2023, and consumer debt passes seventeen trillion. Yeah, for the first time. And there's been a slide in the demand for mortgages, so that's pretty interesting. That's total debt, consumer debt. Yeah, credit card uh, debt's going through the roof. And so are the interest rates to pay it back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, you look at that, you look at, you know, the, uh, you know, under consumer debt, there's also the, uh, the car loans, which you're seeing a greater uh, number of delinquencies, especially going past 60 days. And that's a growing number. You know, I think this is quite possibly why you saw, you know, them backing down on the college debt fight. People are saying, look, I can't make my car payment. I'm not making my all my other debts. You want me to pay off somebody else's college debt. The average age of U.S. vehicles reaches a record high as the price of new vehicles soars, something that we talked about last week, Fox Business News. Mm-hmm. Latest stats out there. Yeah. Wow. Well, and the price of cars, even though used cars... Uh, the prices have come down in that category, but the price for new cars keeps going up. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a problem, you know, going forward. The problem with, you know, that that debt, if they can't pay, it doesn't matter if it's an older car. If they don't have it paid off and they're having trouble making that payment, certainly for new cars. I don't know what happens with the newer cars that are, you know, are just... Essentially, I guess, going to be repoed a number of.
This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.